I just thought I'd uh, start with a couple of jokes because uh, there's a couple of really good ones I've been wanting to share with you guys for a while. So here's my opportunity. I'll take my chance. This is, you know, one of them is, has, a, has a pastor in it, so that's something. But uh, so there's a story about a, a pastor who's on his way home uh, and he gets pulled over by a police officer and the police officer um, is about to give him a, a breath test and says, have you been drinking? And the pastor's like, no, of course not. And, uh, and then the cop goes, oh, what's in that bottle? And he's sort of got a bottle in, in the centre console there and he goes, oh, that's just water. And he goes, I'll pass it over. The cop takes the lid off, has a smell and goes, that's wine. And the pastor says, oh, he's done it again. <laughs> It's a good one, isn't it? I told Dale, I told Dale this morning I was going to share a few jokes and she's just like, oh, I'm so much funnier than you though. So there's another one, a uh, little boy uh, in school. I'm not sure how this story comes up, but he's uh, having a chat with the teacher about the story of Jonah. And, uh, and he says to the teacher, he goes, did you know that Jonah got swallowed by a whale? And he lived in the, the whale for a little while and then he got spat out. And the teacher's like, Impossible. Can't be done. And the little boy says, nah, this is what I've learned in Sunday school. And the teacher's like, no, nah, I'm sorry to say, but I'm the teacher. I know more than you. And he goes, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah and see what really happened. And the teacher said, well, what if Jonah went to hell? And the little boy goes, you ask him. We're pushing the line a little bit. <laughs> have we got time for one more? Are we, are we, are we, are we allowed to tell blonde jokes here? <laughs> okay. I'm going to tell a blonde joke. So this young guy walks into a bar and there's a lovely young blonde lady behind the uh, bar serving drinks and it's just before six o'clock and he sits down and the news is on the TV up behind the bar and the... Uh, there's a, there's a bit of a scene unfolding. There's a guy up on a 10-storey building and uh, he's threatening to jump. So the police are around and the fire brigade's there and they're all sort of wondering what he's going to do. And the blonde says to him, he goes, oh, do you want to have a bet if the guy jumps or not? And the young man says, oh, yeah, sure, I'll have a bet. Pulls out $20, puts it up on the bar and says, uh, I bet he jumps. And the blonde goes, all right, I bet he doesn't. So the fire brigade's setting up, set up a big net. A couple minutes passes by. The guy walks up to the edge Stands off and does a big swan dive off into the net. And he's okay, so that's good. The lady goes, oh, gets her $20 out, gives it to him. He goes, look, fair's fair, you, you won the bet. And he goes, nah, I actually saw the five o'clock news. This is actually a rerun. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, so did I, but I didn't think he'd do it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm done. You can stop shaking your head now. <laughs> so I uh, haven't, haven't spoke a sermon in church since I was 21, which for those of you who don't know, I'm nearly 36. So it's been an interesting uh, little phase of my life. So Rob had um, asked me a little while ago to preach and I was like, oh, nah, I'm fairly comfortable not preaching, so I'd, I'd rather not. And then uh, he asked me again in November and said, do you want to preach in March? And I said, oh, that seems like a long way away, so I'll, I'll do that. And 
And obviously, when that sneaks up on you, you're like, ugh. So I'm hoping that today I can share a few things with you about what God's been doing in me, and hopefully that touches some of you here today. And I want to have a little bit of time at the end where we can um, pray for a couple of different groups of people, which I am among most of. So hopefully that makes you feel a bit more comfortable. But um, I just wanted to talk about the cross today and the freedom that it brings, because I know we understand the story, um, but for me, um, growing, growing up in a Christian home, this is probably something that the God's really doing in me in the last sort of year or so, um, which has really helped my faith and also uh, trying to understand what God's doing in my life and that sort of thing as well. So um, I, I really struggle with anxiety from the ages of about 13 um, to the point, I think I shared a little bit about this when I was up here a few months ago, but to the point where I was physically ill. Um, so as a, young, as a young person going to high school, I'd be physically ill like during the day and through the night waking up and that sort of thing. Um, so I lived a lot of my life um, with that sort of fear and anxiety um, and guilt. And a lot of that actually came from um, probably from my upbringing of being so afraid that God was going to smite me with his mighty hand. You know, I guess growing up with sin, you know, and the church speaks about sin and how dangerous it is and how we need to avoid it at all costs. And so as someone young sort of growing up in that, that was sort of something that really... Um, probably, I think a fear of God is good, but this was a little bit of an unhealthy one. So I just wanted, I've got two points I want to share today. Um, keep it nice and simple. Um, the first one is that Christ died for us. I think as we just saw in that story there, it's, it's pretty plain and simple. I think hopefully we're all at that point that we believe that. If you don't, then there's a great opportunity to, to come to that today as well. The one thing about that, he loved us when we didn't deserve it. Um, he died for us when we couldn't do anything for him, okay? So he didn't die to fix us. He didn't die because he saw a better version of us. He just died for us. That's basically, it doesn't go into any more detail, okay? So it shows God's true love and true value for me and for you that he would die for us and not expect anything in return. So if you've got your Bibles, we'll have a quick look at, um, at Romans. Most of the Stuff today is going to be from Romans, so hopefully we can flick around in there. I will be reading from the children's Bible because that's the one I read to the kids. But I like it. <laughs> that's really simple. So mine might be slightly different. So Romans 5 verse 6, which we all know very well, but I think it's a good starting point. Christ died for us while we were still weak. We were living against God, but at the right time, Christ died for us. Very few people will die to save the life of someone else. Although perhaps for a good man, someone might possibly die. But Christ died for us while we were still sinners. In this way, God shows his great love for us. So as it says, you know, sometimes we see in the movies that, you know, someone's protecting the president or they someone they love, someone in their family, and they'll take a bullet for someone. As it says, that very few people will die to save the life of someone else. But God sent his son to die for us when we were at our worst, which I don't think many of us would lay down our life for someone in that position. So one of the things that has been interesting for me over the past little while is that 
I find that for me, a lot of the times through life when we go through hard times, we go through times when we feel like we're not close to God or we've done something that separates us from God, we start to question our salvation. Okay? Is, has anyone ever questioned their salvation? Yeah? All right, cool. I was wondering if it was just going to be me. That was going to be really awkward. <laughs> I'll have to skip a few pages. So one of the things for me... I don't know whether it was just sort of... Grow- I don't ever remember anyone sitting me down and teaching me this, but growing up in the, in the church, my mum and dad were pastors, and um, I just... I came to the terms that, you know, how you have altar calls all the time for people who want to recommit their lives to the Lord. You know, oh, yeah, I have, I've done a lot wrong since my last time, so I'm going up the front again, you know, because if something happens to me today and I am in a car crash and I die, I want to make sure that I have put my hand up again. Is anyone else, yeah? yeah, understand that? So one of the things for me has been really understanding what Jesus did and he did it once and he did it for all time, okay? Um, I have not had that understanding until the last little while. And for me, it's really brought a freedom to my life to know that I'm not constantly walking forward, falling back, I'm on the ground again, oh, God, please forgive me. You know, those sort of things are good. I think it's good to, um, to have those conversations and, and to if you feel like you need to come to the Lord at an altar call. I'm not saying those things are bad, but living in the constant back and forth, am I going to heaven, am I, am I okay, do I qualify, Is that, has that been taken away now because of what I just did? And that's the thing that I wanted to talk a little bit about today. If we can flick over to Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in, who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. That's pretty cool. I did some research, looked up condemnation, just to, to make sure I was being thorough. No condemnation means to be found innocent of the accusation, to have no sentence inflicted and no guilty verdict found. I reckon that sounds pretty cool. By the grace of God, believers, believers in Christ Jesus will not face the condemnation of God. We have passed from death to life. I don't... That's um, 1 John 3, verse 14. Um, I don't think... Well, there doesn't seem to be any terms and conditions that comes along with that, which I think is really cool. Um, so as I, was, as I was mentioning before, growing up in a Christian home um, was... was it was a great upbringing, but one of the things I noticed when I think I met Dale when I was 19 or 20, and at the time I was pretty much involved in every <laughs> every area of the church. So I was running the youth group, I was in the music, um, I was in the pastoral team. I think at one time I was actually I found myself on the counselling team, and that <laughs> and that's when I just thought, okay, there's something <laughs> there's something going wrong here. I remember. The lady that asked me, I said yes, and about a week later, I just came to her and said, I'm sorry, I'm just so used to saying yes, I, I cannot help you. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that's just not my thing. Um, but what I, what I found was that I really got my significance from my dad, for starters. Everyone knew who I was because of my mum and dad. 
So any sort of meetings I'd turn up or conferences or anything, oh, you're Pete's son. And, you know, it gave me a bit of a, bit of a pump up. And then obviously I was involved in all the areas of the church. So for me, I would have um, a Tuesday night prayer meeting, we'd have a Wednesday night music practice, we'd have a, like, a connect group, I'd have youth on Friday night, we'd have church on Sunday morning, church on Sunday night. And then I worked <laughs> at a Christian bookshop. I hang out with a lot of Christians. <laughs> so the thing for that is that I found that even though I spent so much of my life constantly in things that were revolving around God, I didn't really have a relationship with him. Or not, not in the terms that he's after. Okay? I got my significance from all the things I was doing. Um, and the other part of that, which I want to chat about a little bit now, was it beca- I became very judgmental because of that that if you weren't coming along to all the things that I'm coming along, well, then I was more holy or I was more righteous than you. Just got really quiet. (laughs) (laughs) That's me. I'm not talking about you. That's just how I judge people. So when I met Dale, she started coming along to our church and she'd come on Sunday morning and then me and my family would go off on Sunday night and she would stay at home and watch TV at our place, and me and my family were like, oh boy, who is this girl you've dragged in? (laughs) And I remember thinking the same thing, why aren't you coming? And she's like, I've already been to church, why do I have to go again? I'm like, I don't know, because this is what we do. Watching trashy TV while we're all going back to church again. (laughs) Luckily we don't have a Sunday night service. (laughs) But (laughs) But you know what? We don't get to heaven by our choices, our good decisions, or the way we live. Amen? Amen. For me, that's been quite a challenging thing because I lived probably 20 of my years like that um, and have only just sort of discovering what it actually is um, to be a follower of Jesus. So not saying that any of those things are bad, but if, you know... If we have forced habits, so we go to church, we read our Bible, we pray, and those things are forced and we feel like if we don't do them, then the Lord is not shining on us or he's disappointed with us or he doesn't love us, then that's out of the wrong motive. Whereas if you want to spend time with someone out of, off your own bat, then that's really when true love comes in, into that. You ever been forced to hang out with someone? <laughs> It's the worst. Oh, can you go and hang out with this person because they don't have any friends and you're thinking, oh, I just want to stay home and watch the footy. That's all I want to do. You know, nothing good comes from that unless you really want to go and spend time with that person. By his grace, we are saved. Amen. There's only one way to God and it's through Jesus. We can't earn our way there. I think... Um, that's one thing this church is, is, is really good at. We accept anyone who's done anything and seen anything come and have grace. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. If we could earn our way to heaven, then God was cruel to send Jesus to die. Isn't it? Yeah. But nothing can separate us from what God has done. Nothing. You can all see my little young fella on the front row here. He seems very excited to be on the front row. <laughs> when we were, in, we were in Bali a few weeks ago, we were buying him a few 
little gifts uh, along the way when we're in um, one of the restaurants. All the guys come along the front there and are selling stuff and should actually bring your wallet one time and show everyone that he's got a flaming wallet, opens up and it sets itself on fire and then he closes it again. It's, it's pretty cool. Scares a few people. I have, still haven't used it at the shop yet. That would be really cool. <laughs> at the counter. <laughs> what? So we bought him, we also bought him this little boat, uh, which is, it's powered by oil. And um, you just put a little bit of oil in the back and then light it up and it puts itself around. So he was using that out in the pool when we got home and Dale bought him a bottle of oil um, and just let him go out the back. A couple of hours later, we come out the back and for those of you who've seen my place, last summer I put in a pool and a deck and pergola and everything at nearly 300 hours of work outside of my normal work hours, for those of you playing at home. And so a lot of, a lot of time. On the same side of that, Dale, Dale is good at shopping, so she did all the shopping, but she saved up a, a couple of thousand dollars for a very nice table that is now out on the deck. So one of the kids ventures out a, little, a couple of hours later and finds the bottle of oil on her table, on its side, with the lid open, pouring on her table, down onto the chair, onto my deck. <laughs> so at that point in time, I feel that things can separate us <laughs> from the love that we have for our children. Now, I think he's a great kid, but I'm not going to lie, there was a few moments there I was just like, no. And I asked him about it and he said, I put the bottle of oil on the side so it wouldn't tip over. It's very, I don't know. I don't get it. If you're going to do that, at least put the lid on. So he's learned his lesson, hopefully. So let's, let's quickly look at that because that is a cool scripture. Um, Romans 8, verse 38. If you ever get the chance to read Romans, try and read it all the way, all the way through. Because sometimes if you sort of just jump into a chapter, it's a little bit confusing. If you ever get the chance, like read from like 1 to 10 all in one go, because Paul's on a really interesting journey. Um, no one has sort of been talking about this, and he's, God's obviously doing something big in him. It, it's, it's really interesting. It gets very passionate. Um, so this one here, Romans 8.38, Yes, I'm sure that nothing can separate us from the love God has for us. Not death, not life, not angels, not ruling spirits, nothing now, nothing in the future, no powers, nothing above us, nothing below us, or anything else in the whole world will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's fairly thorough. <laughs> fairly thorough. I like how he covers the lot. There's not much argument we can have from that then. So I used to be worried that my constant sin would separate me from heaven. So the first point today I think is really important for us to understand is that nothing can separate us from what God did on the cross. We can't earn it to get it, so we don't need to earn it to keep it. Yeah? I feel sometimes that is, gets twisted a little bit. I think we need to get rid of that because he's not coming back to die again. As far as I know, I haven't read that. 
But if that's a contract, God's made a contract with us at Calvary. If we could lose what he's given us, then he's going to have to come back and die again. And, yeah, as I said, I don't think it's going to happen. If salvation's based on how we act and how we live, then there's no room for grace and we can just earn it. Um, And we earn our way into heaven. So, as I said before, I think there's something that I really love about Bayside is that we are so open to people coming in. And I think that's one of the strengths uh, of this church now because there's plenty of organisations out there that aren't interested in being affiliated with certain people or people who have visible sin. So if someone comes in and they're struggling with depression or anger or drugs or addiction or pornography, I think this church is so welcoming and so open um, because that's what salvation is all about and that's the gospel. One thing we need to improve on, and this is me, is that if that person comes in and in a week, in a month, in a year, they're still struggling with the same thing, then how, how does my view on them change? And that's the thing that, that's challenging me at the moment is that I feel that if they are struggling, that God loves them just the same because we read before that God died for them there. Okay, He's not trying to fix them. He's not dying for them and going, if you sort yourself out, then that's okay. But if not, I'm taking it back. <laughs> He's not an Indian giver. It's, it's done. It's, it's finished. Amen. So Christ died for us. That is the first point I'm wanting for us all to remember today. And I think that is a real key to us being able to live out a purpose that God has for us is understanding the cross and understanding what he did. Because if we do that, it really opens up a purpose and a plan for what God's wanting to do through me and what he's wanting to do through you and what he's wanting to do in this church and in our city. Okay? Has anyone ever... Might be a bit of a personal question. Has anyone ever been in handcuffs? Don't be shy. I have. Just me? Oh, okay. Not... Not those handcuffs. <laughs> you have? Yeah. Well, put your hand up. I didn't see it. It was very low. <laughs> hey? I find it interesting that when you're in handcuffs, you can't help anyone. If someone was drowning, if someone was beside the side of the road and they're in trouble, you can't help them, okay? I feel like I've lived some of my life in handcuffs, because I'm, I'm trying to preach and I'm trying to live an example of the gospel, but I don't really understand the freedom that it brings. And I'm walking around to people with my hands like this going, do you know that there's a God out there who wants to save you? And they're looking at me going, you're not free. You're, you're judging me. You're treating me differently. I'm like, no, I can help you. But they can see that my hands are behind my back. Like this. How, how much can I help someone like that? The answer is none. That's good. Good point, Marcus. Thank you. You're making me work for it. Second point. Christ died as us. Romans 6, don't worry about going there. Verse 3. Did you forget that all of us became part of Christ when we were baptised? We shared his death in our baptism. So when we were baptised, we were buried with Christ and shared his death. We were buried with him so that we could live a new life, just as Christ was raised from the death by the wonderful power of the Father. 
that's pretty cool. So my picture of that is Christ died on the cross as a man, but he died on the cross not only just for me, but he died as me. He took on all my sin, all my shame, all the things that I feel in my life. He took all of that while he was on there. Yeah? So everything, all the pain, all the hurt, all the things I feel, he has felt that for me. The one thing I think we need to understand is that under the law, in, back in the Old Testament, if we sin, then we must die. That's just the way it was written. So the payment for sin is death. But God gives the free gift of life forever in Christ Jesus. Amen. So there's something built in us from a young age, you know when you see it in kids as well, that when you do something wrong, you know you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> like, you know, when the kids walk in and they've got that look on their face, you just know they've done something wrong. You just know it. And there's something in us that wants that to come about. Watching movies, at the start of a movie, the bad guy does something wrong, doesn't get punished for it. You watch, even if it's a terrible movie, I want to see this guy get it. Like, he's going to get it. I watched that movie the other night. He got it. Big time. It was good. It was a bit slow, but he still got it. So, I was at Bunnings the other day, and I go to Bunnings a number of times a day. <laughs> I told you this story. And... <laughs> Look, I don't, get, I don't get very passionate about, or when I say passionate, I'll say angry. I don't get angry about many things, but it's a very short list. But one of them is the Bunnings trade area. I don't know if any of you sort of go there. So you've got the Bunnings store, and then on the end, there's all the, there's about four or five lanes inside where, where we can drive in and out, load up on all our timber and doors and that without having to sort of walk it back out to the car park. So the way it's set up, there's about four or five lanes. One lane is, uh, sorry, in each lane, there's a, a row of car parks and then there's the driveway. So you can drive up and down any of the lanes because there's lots of different products all the way through. So every now and then someone will park in the driveway if, if it's really busy, if they're just loading up a couple of things, which to me, it gets me annoyed because I'm like, why is your time more important than mine? Like, you're blocking me. Well, yeah, anyway. So <laughs> I come into Bunnings, I pull into the first car spot, run out, grab my stuff. I don't get paid for being at Bunnings. So I don't want to hang around. I mean, I love it, but I don't want to hang around there all day. So come back with my stuff and there's a guy parked in front of me, which is fine. He's in the bay. There's a guy in the driveway next to me. He's in a four-wheel drive and, he's a tr and there's a trailer. So I can't get out. I'm, I'm completely blocked in. I look at the Bunnings guy and I'm like, hey, man, where's this guy? He shouldn't have let him park there in the first place, but he's just being soft. So I look around. There's no one there. Another guy comes in behind him, so he now is waiting to come into the area and he can't get in. Um, so I'm looking at these two guys and they're like, where's this, where's this guy? And I'm like, I don't know. So I said to the Bunnings guy, can you please go and find this guy and get him to come move his car because it's not a car spot. And uh, so the Bunnings guy goes off, comes back a couple of minutes later. The guy walks around the corner, throwing his arms in the air, uh, huffing and puffing like, like we're really inconveniencing. The guy, he's walking past me and <laughs> I just I couldn't hold my tongue. <laughs> I was just like, hey, mate, <laughs> that's not a car spot. That's all I said. And he just went, 
zero to 100. Just zoomed right up to my face, in my face. I thought he was going to hit me. I thought, oh, here we go. And he's like, what did you say? And I said, mate, it's not a car spot. You know? And, and then I started laughing, which didn't help the situation. <laughs> but you know what? Like, there's something in me that, like, the bunnies, I look at the bunnies, this guy's in my face swearing, like, profanities I've never heard. I'm looking at the bunnies going, he's just sort of standing around. I'm just like, there's no justice here. Anyway, we kicked him out. He drove out without buying anything, so it was a small win. But still, he didn't really get in trouble. So there's something in us, there's something inbuilt, that when we do something wrong, we deserve punishment. So even in life as a Christian, we set ourselves up for rejection. We set ourselves up for being fearful and for allowing ourselves to be overrun by sin. But Jesus has already paid the price. We can't pay for it again. If I ring Macca up and I'm like, hey, man, I've got a surprise for you. Head down to the BMW dealership. There's something waiting for you. He rocks up. There's a brand new car there for him. He's not going to pay for it again. If he did that, yeah, that's just stupid. That's silly. But for me, that's how, I, that's how I feel has been my conversation. Oh, God, I've done it again. I'm such a failure. And I get stuck down again. And that's exactly where the enemy wants us. But we have freedom now because Christ made us free. So stand strong, but do not change and go back to the slavery of the law. So God set us free from the law. We don't need to go back and pay for it again. I heard a really good example of um, grace versus mercy the other day. If you get pulled over by a policeman and for speeding and you were speeding, if he lets you off, that's mercy. If he pays you $1,000, that's grace. Yeah? I thought, oh, yeah, that's really cool. I like that. We didn't deserve it, but boy, I'm glad he did it. Yeah? Can I get the um, band to come up too, please? I think sometimes in the church we look at, at sin as, you know, when someone... We do a lot of painting in our job. and Whenever we paint something, especially a door, we'll go get a sign and wet paint. Tell you what, I reckon more people touch it. <laughs> I wonder if it's still wet. I think that's what goes through people's minds. I wonder if it's still wet. And you come back and there's just a little... <laughs> You've got to sand it and do it again. I think sometimes as Christians and as a church, we are so scared of people doing the wrong thing that we put signs on all this stuff and we all go around going like this, okay? That's not how the Lord has set us out to be. He has set us free from sin. You will sin. We will all do things wrong, but don't live under that, okay? I feel that breakthrough starts in our lives when we stop being impressed by the size of the problem. Okay. One thing I'm wanting to do today, I'm wanting to pray for a couple of groups of people. Um, but I'm just wanting to, us to come to realisation that God is in control and He's already written our lives and He loves you just the way you are. Okay, He doesn't require you to do anything 
There's no strings attached to anything. He didn't die because he requires you to do anything or he requires you to be something. That doesn't mean he doesn't want you to, but he doesn't require that to fulfill that contract of Calvary. Just want to quickly look at the prodigal son story. I'm just going to read this from the Passion Translation, which is really cool. Which is Luke 15, if you're taking notes. Then Jesus said, Once there was a father with two sons. The younger son came to his father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me your share of the estate that belongs to me? So the father went ahead and distributed among the two sons their inheritance. The interesting thing about this is that in Middle Eastern culture, it was an offence to ask for a son to ask his father for his inheritance because it actually was equivalent to saying, I wish you were dead. So it wasn't just sort of like, hey, dad, can I have some money? It's, hey, dad, I, <laughs> I wish you were dead. Not a great start. Shortly afterward, the younger son packed up all his belongings and travelled off to see the world. He journeyed to a far-off land where he soon wasted all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. We can only imagine what he got up to. With everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry, for there was a severe famine in the land. So he begged a farmer in that country to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. The son was so famished he was even willing to eat the slop given to the pigs. Humiliated, the son finally realised what he was doing and he thought, there are so many workers at my father's house who all have the food that they need. They lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slop? I want to go back to my father's house and say to him, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I'll never be worthy to be called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. So the young son set off home. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming dressed as a beggar. I love, I love that because I reckon his dad was there waiting for him. You know, I reckon he was looking. I reckon he'd been out every day looking and waiting for his son to come home. His dad had great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. So his father raced out and met him. He swept him in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him over and over with tender love. If you want a picture of how the Lord views you, he's a running God. He's a hugging God and he's a kissing God. Might sound a bit funny, but... You know, he didn't even just stand there on the porch waiting for his son to come back in, going, yeah, I'm going to say I told you so. He ran to meet him. And I feel that today that the Lord wants to meet you where you're at. So there's three, there's three groups of people that I really, the band's just going to play and a couple of guys, if I can get you to come up to pray for people. But when we come to the Lord with our pain and our fear and our addictions, our brokenness, he just says, I love you. Welcome home. So if you struggle with guilt and shame, I'd love you to come forward today because I feel that we need to be set free from that. If you want to understand the victory that we have, the power over sin, and you want to know more about what that means for you and your life, then I'd love you to come forward.
And if you've never made a commitment to the Lord and you'd love to give your life to Him and acknowledge Jesus as your Saviour, then I'd also love to pray for you as well. So why don't we just stand this morning as the band just plays for a couple of minutes and feel free to come and we'll just pray for you as we end.